Welcome back, everyone. This week, we dive straight into part two of last week's episode with Samantha. So I think, so when I started the IVF, you start with the psychomonitoring mm-hmm. procedure again. And when you get to a certain point in your cycle, then they start to give you medications, typically ones you're like injecting yourself in mm-hmm. order to stimulate the follicles and get them ready so you're producing more eggs. Mm-hmm. So I ended up taking those medications for a while. Um, so basically every month you're still going in for the for that cycle monitoring for them to check. For the six times two weeks thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so the clinic would open at, I think, 7 a.m. And I would be there from 7 until 10.30 or 11 most days. Wow. And like having to go to work after that. Because you're, you're going in, you sign this clipboard, you get your blood work done. Then you maybe wait for an hour. Then you go and you get the ultrasound. Then you maybe have to wait for an hour. And then at the end, you have to like go and see your doctor. And then at that point in time, they've interpreted the results from your blood test and your your, um, ultrasound. And then they give you your feedback. Like, do you need more of this medication? Less? Wow. How was your work with you doing this? So I've actually... Just when I had the original miscarriage, I had actually just started a new job. I was only there for like five days or something. Oh, wow. Um, so they had to know kind of right from the very beginning that I was going through something. So yeah. thankfully, because I worked in a healthcare environment, they were really good and I could walk from one to the other. And so, um, yeah, they were quite accommodating and I could just kind of flex my hours yeah. to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. That flexibility was probably. Yeah, that's I would imagine. so time-consuming. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's four hours of your day. Yes. Yeah. So you'd like be bringing your laptop and working there and everybody was doing the same, right? Because, yeah. you know. Do you have any friends that you made and have kept? No. no. So it's funny because nobody really... It's a, it's a strange place being in that okay. meeting room. It's like I could remember every fish in the fish tank. I remember all the chairs it was it was just a weird it was not a warm inviting environment at all everybody was going through their own Mm. thing the staff the vast majority of them were not warm and caring at all it was just a yeah it was very like a number totally and it's it's interesting because obviously that that part of medicine like fertility and and Mm. endocrinology it's so solution focused which is good, but it almost feels like your bodily autonomy gets kind of lost in the process because you're just sort of expected to do whatever it takes in order to get pregnant, regardless of how it might make you feel. And I remember once saying that like this one medication was making me feel very unwell and I remember this one doctor just being like, well, like just kind of looking at me like, you know, do you want to get, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if it was like being in sports or something, yeah. how bad do you want it? Like, wow. no, well, not bad enough, but I, you know, yeah. can't continue on with my day-to-day life. Like, can someone just listen to me for a second and hear that I'm mm. like feeling well on this? So I think that often women's pain tolerance is belittled. They're like, okay, like whether you're, if you're going through your period, mm-hmm. you know, shut up go to work, 
get it done. Yeah. And if you're suffering a miscarriage, you know what? You still have to show up to work. Sure. You just put a pad on and carry on or you're in labor. It's fine. Just push it out and then see you later. Go home right after a full traumatic uh, yeah. internal trauma, but go home and uh, no one's there to take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't think in my experience that they necessarily understand or maybe they've just seen it too much that they're just like whatever everyone else can do it so i don't know yeah i would i listened to um the retrievals yeah podcast yeah. which is uh have you listened no to not yet um basically there's this um fertility clinic out of yale yeah right and um one of the nurses was switching out the fentanyl for, and taking that fentanyl and putting saline in. So these women that were going through egg retrievals um, were doing it without any pain medication. And they would say like, yeah. so this, when you've said this, this has reminded me of yeah. it. They would, the doctor, they would, the women were like, this is very painful. Like, is oh. this supposed to be that painful? Yeah. And they would just say, well, you've maxed out your pain meds. Like basically just deal with it. And like people weren't listening to their yeah. pain. And so I, and I wanted to ask you too, like, did you ever at one point or multiple moments be like, I'm physically done? Like, yeah. this is just too much. I feel invaded. Yeah. I think I, I think I did feel like that at various points. And I was just going to say to you, going back to the podcast, I, said, oh, yeah. I think something really important that that podcast highlighted too is the experience. Like this is my experience as a white woman, right? Yes. And the research shows like, you know, that women of color often receive, you know, that their pain is even more dismissed, mm-hmm. that they're even more likely not to receive the proper yes. pain management. Um, so that's something I would think about too, sitting mm-hmm. in like Toronto, a very diverse community being in that waiting room and thinking about those types okay. of experiences as well. Um, but yeah, I think there were a lot of, because, because the medications are hormones, right. Mm -hmm. It's doing like all sorts of stuff to your, Mm -hmm. to your body. Um, but probably the worst for me was I had to take these like progesterone shots, Uh, um, for, I think it was four months and always in the same upper part of your buttocks. And, um, my husband would give them to me and it, it just, eventually just got like you're just permanently bruised and you're just getting yeah. a needle into a bruise into a bruise into uh-huh. a bruise and it's just was really gross and that that was probably where but that's interesting because when when I was taking those shots it was because I was like on my way to hopefully getting pregnant you know okay. so you're kind of you know you're getting there so you're yeah. putting up with even more because you feel like you're getting like closer to what you want it's like a, like you said the sport like yeah yeah power through yeah you yeah. know no pain no gain is what they say in sports yeah i mean yeah. not that i agree with that yeah. but like no, that's yeah. what's coming to my mind when you're yeah how is your husband through the injecting you because i think mine would faint okay <laughs> so he comes from a medical background so he was like amazing oh. Perfect. So it wasn't like so bad um, at all. And when you were asking if I met anybody, like any long-term friends in the waiting room, yeah. no. But I lived in like a split-level apartment. Okay. And we ended up connecting with our neighbors, who were really? these this amazing couple who and were actually going through the same thing as we were. We ended oh. up we had them over for a barbecue and we were talking and the woman wasn't drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then we were, you know, it just all kind of came up and we're like, we're going through the same. So we were like, 
massively supporting each other, like That's in our lovely. class. So it yeah. was the best, and we're still friends now. Oh, and we okay. both have like little ones now. Oh, and, yeah, it was really. Um, so one of the pictures I sent you earlier were like flowers that she would leave at my door. Yes, I was wondering um, on a date really? that I had like an appointment, and I would do the same for her. That's really you can really That's really really sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go that is just. Yeah. Like that's the village, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's really heartwarming. It is. Yeah, yeah. So I guess so. After the two IUIs didn't work, then we decided to go down the road of IVF, which meant that I was, you know, like taking those hormone shots, mm-hmm. which you do in your abdomen, and you have to carry home a little sharps container with you and keep it at okay. home, and then you have to bring back your, you know. <laughs> discarded needles back to the clinic it was like in a little lunchbox it was such a weird i don't know felt like a very kind of dystopian weird thing um so you're yeah so you're doing those shots in order to see like how many follicles you can ripen and how many eggs you can get and then once you've gone through that cycle monitoring and they decide that you know now is a good time then you're scheduled to go in for your for your egg retrieval procedure um so yeah, so I did that. That's more of like a day, a day um, procedure where you're like going in, you're wearing, you know, a gown, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, waiting in a different, like a surgical waiting room. Um, I can't remember if I went in alone, but you are given fentanyl, thankfully. Um, Good, just I'm glad you got yours. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, um, to be able to, um, yeah, for relaxation and pain and. Um, Essentially, they use like a needle that goes through your like your uterine cavity, essentially to to take out the eggs out of the the follicles. And um, so I went through that procedure, and um, it didn't. I don't think it took very long, maybe like twenty minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt very awful afterwards. And my husband describes like he, he always says like, he'll never forget seeing me like come out of the room and like two people were carrying me and I was like bleeding. Mm -hmm. Remember somebody like tossed like a pad at me. Like it was just like a, I was like, okay, all right. (laughs) You know? And there was like no help to get downstairs. I remember I was like sitting on the curb waiting for my husband to like bring the car around. Like it was just crazy. It was just. Wow. Yeah. So after that procedure, I, I was off work for, I think, a while. Um, Were you sore? Yeah. You get, like, very bloated and descended. Mm-hmm. Uh, descended, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just, yeah, didn't feel, like, so great after that. So, And I think, too, you've had, like, so many hormones and mm-hmm. stuff at that point. You just kind of need some time for your body to mm-hmm. kind of, like, chill. So some people, you can go later in that month and actually do the embryo transfer. But Mm -hmm. at this particular um, clinic, the doctor recommended that I wait another, Mm -hmm. another month. And then they do the transfer like with a frozen embryo. Cause I think there's some sort of statistic that perhaps that's has a higher efficacy rate, I guess. Okay. Did you ever feel like stopping at for all of this? It's a good question. Yeah. I think after the, when I had sort of like the false positive or the blighted ovum thing yeah. where I like thought, okay, yeah, maybe I am pregnant and then I'm not. I think at that time I felt like it, mm-hmm. um, like I just wanted to stop because it was like such a blow and so yeah. disappointing. 
probably for a couple minutes every month after I continuously yeah. got my period, I always yeah. felt like, you know, like how long am I going to do this? But I think I had kind of committed to in my mind that I would do one cycle of IVF mm-hmm. and if that didn't work, then I would go down another, another path. Yeah. So that's kind of what we had discussed as like our, you know, little family we decided we would do. And that's, yeah. that's what we did. And thankfully we got lucky in the end. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So how long is an IVF round or a cycle? Yeah. So it could be, it could be one month. Oh, okay. right. So say you're, you know, at the point when you're ovulating, you're having the egg retrieval mm-hmm. and then you could have the, the embryo transfer kind of mm-hmm. like shortly after that, I believe. So it was kind of like I did everything, like the egg retrieval one month and then the embryo transfer the following month. Mm-hmm. Um, and the embryo transfer was a lot, a lot easier. Actually, there was some warmth for the embryo <laughs> transfer. I remember the doctor playing that song, like what the world needs now. And so it was like a corny thing again, but um, that song was playing and they like show you on a TV screen, like that they're like taking the embryo. That part was kind of cool. And it felt more exciting because like at this point in time, you're at the end of all the shit and you, (laughs) you know, you're at the point where maybe something would, something would work. And I remember we drove to like a family's cottage after that. And my stepmom giving me a hug and just saying like, she hopes that, you know, that this would work out. And um, yeah. And then I guess two weeks or sometime later, I can't expect maybe a week Mm -hmm. later, remember um, my husband and I were back at home and getting a call from the nurse. And I remember, I can't remember whether it was on speakerphone actually, or whether he could just hear, but then she said, you know, like, I'd like to tell you that like your, your pregnancy test came back positive And like, we just like, couldn't believe it, you know, like oh, it was just so exciting and unbelievable and surprising mm-hmm. and all the things. Oh, did they monitor you? Did they monitor you after? Yes. The- the positive test. Positive. Yeah. So after the positive test, the fertility doctor is kind of like your OBGYN. So mm-hmm. you go in for your ultrasounds. At that point in time, I think I went in for a weekly ultrasound every week for okay. 12 weeks. And I had this thing called a subchorionic hematoma, which they had to monitor. And I was on bed rest for quite some time. Oh, wow. um, so I think I ended up staying being monitored by them until 20 weeks before I was transferred to um, what is it? what is a so I believe word. it is a pocket I think it's like a pocket of blood in the uterus okay okay, okay. um yeah I, don't, I can't did exactly it go away on its own or I don't I don't know I it must have towards okay. the end but I know that it it in some way could like risk the pregnancy okay. so oh. that they didn't want this like pocket I guess to like burst yeah okay so it wasn't to do like heavy lifting or exercising and i was on like literal bed rest for a couple weeks which was crazy wow Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah. there's probably some medical professional listening to this being like this girl has no idea she's not saying the word (laughs) i tried it was a pocket of something and i know it wasn't good (laughs) (laughs) how was your pregnancy uh, so my pregnant, I loved being pregnant. Okay, uh, was, really, I did. Yeah, I okay. totally loved it. Yeah, sickness. No, oh, that's no. good. I think twice I felt sort of nauseous. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but that was all. There was like a bit, you were always kind of, I think if you've had a previous miscarriage, you're always like worried, you know, mm-hmm. like every cramp, every twinge, every um, feeling you think like, oh God, I hope this isn't something bad. But as you kind of get more into the pregnancy, mm-hmm. I felt anyways, I felt more more comfortable. And yeah. yeah, I had a really good pregnancy. Also having gone through IVF, I very much just took the the um the thought that I just I was going to treat myself to whatever I wanted. So yeah, I, yeah. like a lot of Dairy Queen, a lot of bacon double cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. For you. Put on like 60 pounds and I was just happy yeah. and just did it. Good. <laughs> I mean I think that you deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> Good for so, you. Yeah. yeah. I did, did you enjoy being pregnant? I loved that. Really? But I didn't have any sickness. Yeah. Both girls. I was, I had nausea with Mila, but I, okay, I tell you what I loved is the fact that, I mean, you guys, if you listen to the podcast, uh, you know my eating is issues. Yeah. And it was the first time where I felt like, if I have a big belly, yeah. people are going to love it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so I wore body contrasts the whole time. Yeah. I just loved, loved that. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was a bit freeing as well for me. Yeah. yeah. In a way. Yeah, people are um, so nice to you. They just found like so kind. Yeah, it's just but so then cool. when the baby's out, I don't. Hey, you're like, it's like, what? wait a minute. Yes, you were treating me like royalty like five seconds ago, mm-hmm. and now you like can't even hold the door open for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Wow. I did not like being pregnant. You don't have either. Okay. At all. I had really bad sciatica. Ooh, that's yeah, bad. that's worse. So um, I would go to the chiropractor like. Maybe once a week to get my hips uh, like taped. Yeah. Belly taped. I gained a lot of weight. Um, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like sciatica after Molly was born. And that okay. Pain is just, mm-hmm. It's debilitating. Yeah. I remember being in our apartment in VB, pregnant with Harper. And I was, um, I mean, I also wasn't super easy on myself when I was pregnant. Like, I just kept going. Like, I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to let anything stop me. And I didn't know how to ask for help. But I was in the kitchen, and I, like, I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, no, I physically cannot move. Like, you have to pick me up and take me to the bed. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't think people realize how painful your back is until you pull it. Yeah. Because like everyone's like, it's fine, just walk it off, you know. Like, like I Nick has a really bad back. He's gone through back surgery and stuff. And I was like, okay, come on, you know. And then I pulled my back, and mm. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, and I started getting sad. I was like, I did not believe you when you told yes. me it hurt you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wild. What was your labor like? That might be a part two. It was like a negative ten or like. <laughs> Let me give you the synopsis. So okay. I moved from Ireland or from Toronto to Ireland at 30 weeks pregnant. And oh. we were in quarantine. Okay. okay. You didn't have a uh, 30 weeks, you don't actually need oh, okay. one. But yeah. 37. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So then a month into living in Ireland, um, it was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I was in a brand new country with a brand new doctor during the pandemic. <laughs> Oh um, my God. My husband came to my first appointment with me, but no other ones after that. 
and everybody's wearing masks and PPE, and I can't understand people's accents. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, you're cute, you're Irish, but I don't know what the hell you're saying. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, ended up being induced is the short story. Um, I was exposed to somebody who was COVID positive um, during my first two hours at the hospital. Oh so then gosh. they moved me into isolation, which sounds nice because it was like a private room. Mm-hmm. But as a new mom in a new country without any support people, being <laughs> in an isolated room is yeah, no, that's Yes. Yeah. So it was, I think, like more than 24 hours of labor and um the rule at the time was that your husband or partner could come once you were in active labor so like all of the labor previous Mm -hmm. to that I was just by myself in the room and then um once I got to the active labor part then you were transferred to like the labor and delivery like birthing room and then at that point in time um your husband was able to come so I think he came at like two and Molly was born at about 11, I think, 11 p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, they, like, handed her to me. And then Mm -hmm. I ended up giving her to Pierre. And I was like, I don't feel very good. And then I had, um, uh, like, a postpartum hemorrhage. Like, a fairly significant one. So I passed Molly. And then I just passed out. So they made him leave the room with her. Okay. And they were, like, somewhere. Yeah, and then I can just remember at times like a little bit coming to where people were like putting like cold on my face and there were like fans and then I have a question. Yes. Throughout all of your um treatments and then post labor, did they offer you therapy? So at the fertility clinic, there was some sort of counseling program or something in the evening mm-hmm. but at this very warm yeah yeah based on my experience <laughs> I was just like no yeah but I, I found friends like that was more my therapy you know yeah like I talked to people mm-hmm. I knew um after like after Molly was born we were in Neary Northern Ireland and I ended up online finding this amazing um birth trauma support group that oh, was online lovely and um that was like an amazing game changer for me because you know like being totally isolated I didn't mm-hmm. know if what I experienced was birth trauma you know even though it felt like pretty traumatic for mm-hmm. me um but yeah so that was like a game changer because it was actually the only contact I had with any other yeah. new moms mm-hmm. during that time you know is it the repeated lockdown yeah, yeah. was it Not like a Facebook group or a doctor it was actually um so it's um it's like a yoga studio massage um therapy clinic um run by like counseling professionals oh, that okay. also have this birth trauma support group associated yeah. with it. It's called centered soul. And, um, the, the workshop our support group was, um, run by two women who had also experienced birth trauma, but mm-hmm. who also had like clinical background. Yeah. That sounds like so, a really cool place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just a really great cool. Yeah. Initiative and yeah. great, um, and they do space. tons of stuff for the community. And yeah. It's funny how you just said um, 
you didn't know if it was a trauma, a birth trauma or not. And I think I really believe that any birth is a trauma on the human body. Sure. And, but the fact that we question ourselves, like, you know, it's like I needed something to quantify it. Or yeah. Something. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, if you didn't go to this end of the spectrum, it's not trauma. But it's like, I really, I mean, a surgery is considered a trauma, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. On the human body. I mean, yeah. and then we're pushing out a human being out of mm-hmm. our vagina. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a trauma. And I and I don't think there's enough conversation around it. No, I don't think so either. I think every woman should be given therapy after yes. pushing yeah. a child out of them or having a C-section. Yeah. Um, and I hear more often than not from other mothers that they felt that their birth was so traumatic and it has, they're still trying to get over it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Did you have any... Uh, um, did someone ever say anything to you that was like unsolicited during your period of treatment? I think you you do get the like it was mostly after the miscarriage the okay. things that people say you know like it wasn't meant to be or mm-hmm. there was obviously something wrong so you know it's better that it happened or you know that type of stuff mm-hmm. and just I don't know when you're experiencing grief and loss that's not particularly helpful yeah. So that was that was mostly mostly it. I think we talked briefly about. I can't remember if it was when we first met or like later about having. Um, you mentioned something like having gone through IVF. Like you sometimes don't feel like you have the right to complain. Yes. about yeah. motherhood. Yes, and I just I wonder how relatable that is to other moms. You know, like you've gone through so much, and then when you are a mother, I mean, thank goodness, like not you know. Yeah. Um, like you said, you feel like you don't have the right to complain. Like, say more. Yeah. So I wonder if other people feel like this as well. But it's like, you know, if you're a mom and you're doing like a TikTok or a reel or something, mm-hmm. and you're saying how hard motherhood is. And then yeah. someone comes through and be like, comes in and they're like, you know, well, you made this choice and you're a mom. So like, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're not allowed to say that anything's hard. Yeah. I feel like as a mom who had to go through all of those things to get pregnant that I'm even less able to say because mm-hmm. I, you know, tried so hard, I'm yeah. using air quotes here, tried so hard to get pregnant that I can't complain because I really, 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 really wanted to be a mom. Yeah. But like, you know, but I, I just wanted to be a mom as much as everybody else of did course. and find it as hard as everybody yeah. else finds it. Um but yeah, I just often felt, I don't know where that pressure comes from necessarily, yeah. but it's definitely something that I, that I yeah. felt. Also, I don't think moms go into this knowing how hard yes. it is no. at all. I mean, no one prepares you for that. No. So you can complain away. Yes. You need my permission <laughs> or anyone else's, <laughs> but I mean, motherhood is really hard no matter how you got there. Yeah. You know? Um, one of the things I do, I feel happy to be in this generation where we can talk openly yeah, yeah. about how hard it is to be a mom. Because, like, I think back to, like, you know, when our parents were yeah. momming, I don't think it was something that people really no. talked about as much and as openly. And that's yeah. one thing where I think, like, social media is really good for moms. Yeah. Like, I've actually found social media to be more helpful to me as a mom than unhelpful. Yeah. For yeah. that reason. Because there's, like, that solidarity there. Yeah. I also yeah. think that people say that, oh, we tried so hard to be a mom. Probably don't have kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
you don't know what it's like being waking up 14 times at night. I didn't ask for that. (laughs) Yes, I wanted kids, but I didn't know that that meant I would not sleep for like out, like even just two hours of sleep consistently, you know, or I didn't know that my toddler would cry because she ate her marshmallow before she roasted it. (laughs) And then was upset that her big sister roasted the marshmallow and she couldn't. All right. Yeah. Call it a wrap. It's way past my bedtime. Way past. Oh my God. It's almost. What time do you go to bed? Oh, yeah. Like eight. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm in bed at seven. Uh, well, I'll text eight. her at 8 30 and be like, Are you awake? I can just picture her going like this. Maybe. Yeah. I do. That's like random sometimes to do. Like, I'm going to, like, she'll message me, like, when she's going to eat her dinner. I'm like, You're so fucking Arab. I've been asleep yeah. for two hours. Don't don't text me now. Don't talk yeah. to me. I ate my dinner at five, like a normal fucking white person, okay? And I'm going to bed at 7 30. Yeah. Just run a pumpkin. Oh, no, it's fine. Okay, I'll stop it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much. Thank you. I learned a lot. Yeah. I. Didn't know uh, that they could not have a diagnosis for infertility. That was something that I learned. I did not know. Same. Unexplained fertility. Yeah. That would bug me. Find an answer. Find the answer. Find it out. Find the solution. (laughs) But in fairness, like, because he said I got treated for the endometriosis Mm. protocol and I got pregnant. So, you know, his guess was a good one. Yeah. Um. And I also learned about turkey basting. And oh, yeah. It's like the precision. Hematomas. Oh, yeah. yeah. A sack of something. <laughs> sack. Yes. Um, All right. Thank you again. Good night. Thank you. Good, Good night. night. Uh, let us know if, about your infertility. Infertility. All right. Good night. Good night.